0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 258. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Second Samuel with chapter 16. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may remember last week we left with David going into exile because his son, Absalom, had decided to take over. He'd been plotting this for at least four years, had undermined the king, and then made his move, and David fled with some people who were faithful to him back into the wilderness. 2 Samuel 16, When David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. He had a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred cakes of raisins, a hundred cakes of figs, and a skin of wine. The king asked Ziba, "'Why have you brought these?' Ziba answered, "'The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and fruit are for the men to eat, and the wine is to refresh those who become exhausted in the wilderness.'" The king then asked, Where is your master's grandson? Ziba said to him, He is staying in Jerusalem because he thinks, Today the Israelites will restore me to my grandfather's kingdom. Then the king said to Ziba, All that belongs to Mephibosheth is now yours. I humbly bow, Ziba said. May I find favor in your eyes, my lord the king. Now, for those of you who may have forgotten, Mephibosheth was a son of Jonathan, grandson of Saul, who David, after the death of Saul and after he became king after the civil war, he went out and he said, is there anyone left over from the lineage of Jonathan that I can bestow favor on so that I can be thankful to my friend Jonathan, who was so faithful to me. And so he went out and he found Mephibosheth, who was injured, who was lame in his legs, and he brought him to eat at his table as a son. And this is Mephibosheth's thanks, is basically that he has turned his back on David, because he thinks that maybe this is his chance to become king not very likely. Not only is he backing a losing horse at this point, but also it isn't very likely that Absalom is going to give up his kingship and make Mephibosheth king. So it doesn't show Mephibosheth as being particularly shrewd, but it does show that Ziba, who is this servant who has served Saul and then his son and his grandson, is being faithful to David. And so he brings this gift to them. Continuing on, as King David approached Bahurim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shemai, son of Jerah, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shemai said, Get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands the Of your son Absalom, you have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, What does this have to do with you, the sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask why do you do this? David then said to Abishai and all his officials, My son, my own flesh and blood, is trying to kill me. How much more, then, this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore me to his covenant blessing because of his curse to day. So David and his men continued along the road while Shammai was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. The king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. The one thing that you have to like about David is David stays focused through this encounter with Shammai. He knows his biggest problem is not somebody cursing him and throwing dirt clods at him. He knows that his biggest problem is that his son has rebelled against him. And he sees this potentially that Shammai here who is cursing him is doing so because God has told him to. And so he says this is not our problem, first of all. Our problem is with Absalom. It's not your problem, those of you who are bothered by it. And it's not really even my problem. And maybe that if we just let him curse, maybe the Lord will show pity on me. And so it's interesting to see how he looks at the situation and he has some focus. He understands that this is not important and this is not something we should worry about. And why add this man's blood to what he has already done? continuing on from verse 15. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the men of Israel came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with them. Then Hushai the Archite, David's confidant, went to Absalom and said to him, Long live the king, long live the king. Absalom said to Hushai, So this is the love you show your friend. If he's your friend, why didn't you go with him? Hushai said to Absalom, No, the one chosen by the Lord, by these people, and by the men of Israel, his I will be, and I will remain with him. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve the son, just as I served your father, so I will serve you? Absalom said to Ahithophel, give us your advice, what should we do? Ahithophel answered, sleep with your father's concubines, whom he left to take care of the palace. Then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself obnoxious to your father, and the hands of everyone with you will be more resolute. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and he slept with his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now in those days, the advice Ahithophel gave was like that of one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. Ahithophel, who is a servant of Absalom now, whose counsel is very well regarded, and he gives the counsel to Absalom to sleep with his father's concubines so that all the people with whom will know that there will not be peace with his father, to burn the ships in effect, to basically say there's no going back, to make everybody more resolute. But by doing this, by doing what Ahithophel suggests, Absalom also manages to fulfill the prophecy of the prophet Nathan, who told David after he slept with Bathsheba, what you have done in secret will be done to you publicly. Continuing on with Second Samuel seventeen. Ahithophel said to Absalom, I would choose twelve thousand men and set out tonight in pursuit of David. I would attack him while he is weary and weak, I would strike him with terror, then all the people with him will flee. I would strike down only the king and bring all the people back to you. The death of the man you seek will mean the return of all. All the people will be unharmed. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to the elders of Israel. So Ahithophel gives Absalom some good advice, that he should go immediately before David gets a chance to establish himself, seek after him and kill him, and not kill the people around him because he's not trying to start a civil war. If he can just do basically a decapitation, if he can just kill the head, then the body will return to him. Then the rest of the people will come back to him. But Absalom said, summon also Hushai the Archite, so we can hear what he has to say as well. When Hushai came to him, Absalom said, Ahithophel has given this advice. Should we do as he says? If not, give us your opinion. Hushai replied to Absalom, the advice Ahithophel has given is not good this time. You know your father and his men, they are fighters, and as fierce as a wild boar robbed of her cubs. Besides, your father is an experienced fighter. He will not spend the night with the troops. Even now, he is hidden in a cave or some other place. If he should attack your troops first, whoever hears about it will say, There has been a slaughter among the troops who follow Absalom. Then even the bravest soldier, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt with fear. For all Israel knows that your father is a fighter and that those with him are brave. So I advise you, let all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, as numerous as the sands on the seashore, be gathered to you with you yourself, leading them into battle. Then we will attack him wherever he may be found, and we will fall on him as dew settles on the ground. Neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city, and we will drag it down into the valley until not so much as a pebble is left." Absalom and all his men of Israel said the advice of Hushai the Archite is better than that of Ahithophel, for the Lord had determined to frustrate the good advice of Ahithophel in order to bring disaster on Absalom. So, Hushai the Archite is there to bring bad advice, and he brings this bad advice that sounds like good advice to everybody, which is no, wait until you're strong enough. What he's really saying is give David some time, but what he's saying is no, you know, David is someone to be feared. He's a fierce spider, which he is. And so he's saying, make sure you have enough men. Twelve thousand may not be enough. Why don't you gather everybody together and then we will be unstoppable. Hushai told Zadok and Abathar, the priests, Ahithophel has advised Absalom and the elders of Israel to do such and such, but I have advised them to do so and so. Now send a message at once and tell David, do not spend the night at the fords in the wilderness, cross over without fail, or the king and all the people with him will be swallowed up. And I love the editing that has been done here by the writer of Second Samuel 17 that doesn't go into the details again on such and such and so and so. But he basically shows that he is with David still and he goes and he sends word to David saying, this is what I told him. Therefore, this is his plan. Therefore, this is what you should do. Go hide and you'll be safe. Jonathan and Ahamaz were staying at Enrogel. A female servant was to go and inform them, and they were to go and tell King David, before they could not risk being seen enter the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So the two of them left at once and went to the house of a man in Bahurim. He had a well in his courtyard, and they climbed down into it. His wife took a covering and spread it out over the opening of the well and scattered grain over it. No one knew anything about it. When Absalom's men came to the woman in the house, they asked, Where are Ahimaz and Jonathan? The woman answered them, They crossed over the brook. The men searched but found no one, so they returned to Jerusalem. After they had gone, the two climbed out of the well and went to inform King David. They said to him, Set out and cross the river at once. Ahithophel has advised such and such against you. So David and all the people with him set out and crossed the Jordan. By daybreak, no one was left who had not crossed the Jordan." When Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and set out for his house in his hometown. He put his house in order and then hanged himself. So he died and was buried in his father's tomb. And so spies go out. They warn King David. David now knows what to do. He flees. The spies have to hide in a well in the meantime. So we get a little intrigue here. But Ahithophel also is removed from the game, almost like the game piece that's taken away from a game of chess because his advice is not followed and he's not used to that. He goes out and he hangs himself and therefore from now on Absalom has been denied this good advice from Ahithophel. David went to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel. Absalom had appointed Amasa over the army in place of Joab. Amasa was the son of Jether, an Ishmaelite, who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, and sister of Zeruiah, the mother of Joab. The Israelites and Absalom camped in the land of Gilead. When David came to Mahanaim, Shobi son of Nahash, from Rabbah, of the Ammonites, and Makir, son of Amiel, from Debar, and Bazali the Giladite, from Rogolim, brought bedding and bowls and articles of pottery. They also brought wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans and lentils, honey and curds, sheep and cheese from cow's milk for David and his people to eat. For they said, the people had become exhausted and hungry and thirsty in the wilderness." We'll stop there with that story, but next week we'll finish the story of David and Absalom. So come back if you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at the dot com or leave your comment at the dot com You can also follow me on Twitter at chris Two x If you happen to be in iTunes, we love five star reviews. Thanks so much for listening.